Hey, everybody, Elizabeth here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you know registration is currently open for our Spring Strong Foundations cohort. Strong Foundations is a five-week strength building program brought to you by me and Morgan Bungers. Coach Morgan Bungers is one of the best, most effective strength training coaches in this country. He has worked with some of the most elite athletes in the world, and now he specializes working with people in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s who want everyday strength. And this is not about being able to push your suitcase into the overhead compartment on an airplane. We need to be consistently and effectively strength training if we want to maintain the strength of our immune system. Muscle is a critical part of our immune system. And if we are not actively maintaining our strength, we are losing it as we age. And that means we are losing the strength of our immune system. It's also a significant component of our overall metabolism, especially our carbohydrate metabolism. Muscle mass plays a huge role in energy, in mood, mental health, bone health, so many different things. This is just not optional, but a lot of us don't do it because we aren't sure what to do. We aren't sure what not to do. We aren't sure if we're moving well. We don't know how to accommodate for our physical limitations or our current level of fitness, and that is why you need a coach and you'd be hard-pressed to find one better than Morgan Bungers. Now, here's the thing about fitness programs. I've experienced this. My mom, who's in her 70s, has experienced this, where you buy a fitness program and then you're like, okay, but I I can't do that workout because I'm not fit enough or I don't have enough balance or I don't have that equipment or that hurts my knees or it hurts my back. And then you're sort of just left to figure it out yourself, which means we often don't do anything. The great thing about Strong Foundations is that Morgan and I are part of it every single day and you have an unlimited ability to ask us questions in a group setting or via direct message so that Morgan can help you scale for you, for whatever equipment you have, for the time that you have, for your fitness level, for your body and your physical limitations. Five weeks, there's two different tiers. There's a beginner intermediate tier. There's an intermediate advanced tier. The testimonials that we have received from our previous clients will blow your mind. You can check them out and also register for your spot by going to primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. If you are an alum, if you have been through strong foundations before, I've already emailed you a renewal link with a special renewal rate. So please use that. If you don't see that email, let me know. For the rest of you, primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. We start on May 13th. So grab your spot now. You will have these workouts for life. Four workouts a week for five weeks, two different tiers. So you've got 40 workouts total. Plus, there is a five-part series on your pelvic floor. That is an incredibly important part of your physical fitness, of your strength, of your core strength, of your overall health, of your ability to maintain functional mobility as you get older. We want you to be a part of this. You will not regret joining the Strong Foundations cohort. It is an incredible community. 
everybody needs to be consistently and effectively strength training. And if you're not, it's probably because you don't know how to make it work for you. And it can be made to work for you. It needs to be made to work for you. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation to register now. Let's get into the episode. This is Primal Potential, and I am your host, Elizabeth Benton. Through education, motivation, and implementation, we will bridge the gap between knowing and doing so we can master fat loss naturally and help you reach your highest potential. Let's get started. Welcome back for another Q&A episode where I am taking your questions and challenges and helping you remove any and all obstacles that you have in your way. I say it all the time, but I'll say it again. I want this podcast to be really practical for you. So whatever your challenge is, wherever you feel stuck, whatever roadblock you continue running into, shoot me an email, let me know so that I can help you because this is not my platform, it's your platform platform. So the challenge that we are going to be tackling today is a specific one that I got, but it reflects a lot of emails and social media comments and conversations that I have with people. And it goes something like this. I really want to lose weight. In fact, I really need to lose weight. And I know what to do. I create all these plans, but then I don't follow through. Can you help me find the motivation, right? It's all kind of around this notion of, I get excited, I put together a plan, I know what I'm going to eat for the week, and yet no matter how many times I craft the plan, I don't execute on it. And to me, this merits a discussion about planners versus doers. And don't worry, I'm not suggesting that you're either one or the other, that if you are a planner, you can't possibly be a doer. That is not the case. But I do think that when it comes to weight loss, for many people, more attention and emphasis is put on the plan, the how, the when, the what if, and far less attention and emphasis is put on just doing something, making a singular healthy choice, moving your body, just taking action, whether it's perfect action or not. We get really hung up on the plan, and oftentimes we attach a lot of ego and pride to the plan, like, look at my meal plan, and I have this fancy chart, and I have it color-coded, and I have all these goals for the week. And it ends up where you think in your head that it's hard, right? Because you've complicated it so significantly with your beautiful color-coded plan, right? Thinking that it's hard can hold you back and create a fear that is actually bigger than the reality of change. I was telling one of my clients the other day, she was talking to me about how hard change is, and she was kind of going through all of the reasons that this isn't the opportune time, all of the things that are standing in her way. And I and I said to her, go back into your document, because I share a document with all my clients where they track their food and much other things. But I said, go back into your document and read what you write when you're making great progress. It's never, she's never, when she's making progress, she's never writing, this is really hard, but I'm doing it anyway. It always is things more like, it's actually a lot easier than I thought. Or those cookies were in front of me all day and I was so proud of myself, I wasn't even really tempted. Or I woke up and I felt so good, I had so much energy today, I'm really excited about my progress. But 
when she's not making progress, when she's not consistently implementing, it's really hard, right? And that is true for all of us. When we're just thinking and planning and perseverating, it seems really hard. It seems so much harder when you aren't doing it than when you are. And I'm not saying that it's always easy. I'm just saying that thinking it is hard, thinking it is scary, thinking it will require so much sacrifice is a lot more difficult than the reality of what it takes to actually do the change. And this to me comes down to the power of inertia or inaction, right? This universal law that an object at rest tends to stay at rest, whereas an object in motion tends to stay in motion. Why? Because that initial action is hard. The starting point takes more energy than continuing. If you are a sprinter, it takes more energy physically to get off the block than it does to cross the finish line. That activation energy is higher, right? But once you get over that, and that's where people get stuck, the fear, the, oh my gosh, this is going to be so tough. Just go. Just go already because once you're in motion, it will be easier. And if you are listening to this podcast right now, you have the understanding of what it will take and you have the ability to do what it takes. What you need at this point is to create the motivation. And that has to be done on a daily basis. And I've said this before, but many people will say, how do you stay motivated? Where do you get your motivation? I just wish I had the motivation that you have. I create mine. You need to create yours. Motivation isn't something that like all of a sudden you have this turning point, this paradigm shift, and poof, every day you wake up motivated. No, motivation is something you choose to create on a daily basis. If you don't choose to create it, you won't have it, right? So you say you want to change. And I hear that all the time. I want this so bad. I need this so bad. But I just keep throwing myself off track. So you say you want to change. Those are your words. What do your actions say? What you say is, I need this. I want this. I hate my body. I'm tired of feeling awful all the time. That's great. Those are your words. What do your actions say? What you do every day, what does that say about what you want? Does, do your actions suggest that you want to change and improve? Or do your actions suggest that you want to stay right where you're at, right in your comfort zone? And I mean, we all have great reasons for not taking action. I'm so stressed. Work is crazy. I work the night shift. I don't have time. My schedule is really unpredictable. I don't want to feel left out when all my friends are indulging over the weekends. Those are the beliefs that we hold, right? If that, if those are the reasons that you are using for not making the change, for not being consistent, you have a belief, it's not true, but you have a belief that if you're busy, you can't eat healthy. That if you're stressed, you can't eat healthy. That if people around you aren't eating healthy, you can't eat healthy. That if you don't sleep well, you can't eat healthy. That if your kids are eating chicken nuggets and graham crackers, you can't eat healthy. Maybe you believe those things, but they're not true. You can. In all those situations, you can make a healthy choice. You just have a habit of choosing not to and then making yourself feel better about the choice by attaching your choice to a relatively unrelated circumstance. And we have to, I know that might sting a little bit. I get that. I've been there. 
But we have to be on guard against that practice of excusing our inaction with a circumstance that really doesn't have anything to do with it, okay? And I've talked before about the book Triggers by Marshall Goldsmith, and he puts it this way, which I love. Your inner beliefs trigger failure before it happens. This is major. This is really a turning point for many, many people. Your inner beliefs will trigger failure before it happens. If you believe in these false self-limiting factors, you are sabotaging yourself before you start. If you're saying, I really wanted to do it today, but I just the kids were up all night and I didn't sleep well. Okay, you still have the same power to make a good choice when you're tired that you do when you're not. You chose not to, and that's that is what it is, but don't attach your choice to a circumstance that really didn't create your choice. Your choice was it. That's all there was, right? You have to be so aware that your inner beliefs will trigger failure before it happens. You're sabotaging yourself before you even start. And he goes on in his book, Triggers, to nail this point home. Your beliefs that that trigger failure, they justify your inaction. Just like I was saying, you know, uh, I'm stressed, I work nights, I whatever the excuse is, those beliefs that you hold, you use them to justify inaction. I can't do it because I'm too busy. I ate garbage because my kids were eating garbage. I made a bad choice because I was tired. Peter Drucker calls this sacrificing the future on the altar of today. Who hasn't done that? I know I have. Sacrificing the future on the altar of today. I care more about this momentary indulgence than I do about my long-term goal that would make me feel way better than this momentary indulgence. How many times have we done that? You cannot expect to make progress if you employ these limiting factors and use them to justify every single less than stellar choice you make. You just can't. It is impossible and you've got to deal with that. If you want to make progress, you have to know what your self-limiting beliefs are. For me, it was all about work stress and being lonely, right? I mean, I would work really, really long hours and I would be tired during the day and it would lead me to go to the vending machine. And then when I finally did get home, I was too tired to cook and I could just as easily have picked up a rotisserie chicken or a lettuce wrap or a bazillion other things, right? But I didn't. I I pretended that being tired and working long hours was the reason that I couldn't make a healthy choice, but that was a lie and I used it to justify my inaction. Obviously, I didn't make progress. In fact, I gained weight, right? The other thing is you have to acknowledge your propensity to make excuses. And man, is this hard for people. And I have the great fortune of having to draw people's attention to it, which kind of sucks a lot of the times. But people don't want to look at that way. It bruises your ego to look at yourself and say, wow, I made 17 excuses today. And that's why I am where I am. That's why I am I am where I am in my career or my relationship or with my finances or with my health, whatever. We have to acknowledge our own propensity to make excuses. And we have to know what the excuses we most commonly make are. The more aware we become of when we're making excuses, 
And the common stories we tell ourselves, the more we know how we talk ourselves into something that we want short term versus long term, the less power those excuses and those stories have over us and the more easy it becomes to change. One practice, as far as practical implementation goes, one practice that I find tremendously helpful is to just identify your own most common excuses and the stories you have repeatedly told yourself to justify your inaction. Again, this isn't fun. This isn't a feel-good, warm and fuzzy activity, but it is necessary. Just to be able to say, yep, I am totally justifying this ice cream because I'm tired and lonely. And the ice cream is in no way related to being tired or being lonely. And it's in no way going to fix either of those things. Ultimately, I'm eating ice cream because I want ice cream and I don't want to tell myself no. I know it won't help me reach my goals and I'm eating it anyway. That's just honesty, right? I mean, you don't have to then beat yourself up. Why beat yourself up? You were already doing it. Now you're just naming it and acknowledging it, right? You can still eat the ice cream, but just acknowledging the the reason, the true reason, not some crafted story you tell yourself to feel better, just acknowledging it is a way bigger step in the right direction than, yeah, I ate that ice cream because I was tired and it was a crappy day at work. No, you ate the ice cream because you wanted to eat the ice cream, period, Okay. Oftentimes we'll set out with a great plan and I talked about this a few minutes ago and I see it a lot with my coaching clients and it it, it makes you feel better to do something, right? But you plan out your meals and your exercise for a day or a week and we'll even define what we expect to get out of it. I'm going to lose two pounds this week and I'm going to get to the gym three times and the reality ends up not really looking much like the plan. The veggies rot in the fridge, the meat ends up getting freezer burn, you didn't make it to the gym once but you did 10 push-ups one morning. Your ability to plan has nothing to do with your ability to execute the plan. So stop looking to create a better plan. Start looking at what you can do to become a better executor. There's nothing wrong with the plan. The plan isn't the problem. The problem is the execution. So don't continue to go back to the plan. You've got that part down. It's the execution that you don't have down yet. So many times we'll return to the plan like, okay, I didn't execute it, so I guess I better be more specific or whatever else. Like, no, that has nothing to do with it. A big part of becoming a better executor is taking on less. Because chances are your plan has multiple elements. Establish just one thing that you're going to do today to move towards your goal and then do it as early in the day as possible. Don't bite off more than you can chew. And if you're thinking, oh, no, 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 I can do this. Well, what does your track record say? Just start with one thing. Prove to yourself, build your confidence. You've got a good backlog of failure. So build your confidence by just saying just this one thing, get it done as early as possible. Evaluate that gap between what you plan and what you do. Then stop returning to the plan when what you do doesn't line up to the plan. The plan isn't the problem. Execution is the problem. Ask yourself, As far as implementing improvement this week, taking more action this week, evaluate every action you take as is this harmful, helpful, or neutral as it relates to my goals. Even if you just spend a day or two taking the extra time to look at every choice, even after the fact, if you don't remember to do it in the moment, was this choice harmful, helpful, or neutral? Spend a few days rating your food choices and your lifestyle choices this way. 
But more than anything, I guess the point that I want to take home here is you've got to identify the excuses that you make, the stories that you tell to justify your inaction. I know it's not pleasant. I know it's not fun, but you're doing it anyway. Now you're just drawing attention to it and knowing these things and that way you can identify them more quickly is the first step towards a different way. Realize that you have the same ability to put something good into your mouth when you're tired or stressed as you do something bad. And ultimately, if you're tired and stressed and you put something bad into your mouth, that doesn't solve being tired or stressed, right? In fact, you probably end up creating more emotional discomfort because then you deal with regret and frustration and disappointment after the fact. So it's not an easy shift to make, but like all things, do it one step at a time. And the first step is, what are the lies that I tell myself? What are the common excuses that I make? What arguments do I use? What stories do I tell to justify my inaction? And then just get really comfortable with calling yourself out on it. This doesn't have to be like a public declaration of, Hey, uh, so I know I always say that I'm tired and that's why I make bad food choices. Really, it's just because I love Mexican food and I don't want to tell myself no because it kind of hurts to tell myself no and I want to give in to myself more than I want to change. You don't have to publicly declare that, but for yourself, it's time to get honest. It's time to get honest. So... I hope this episode was helpful. Want to real quick go into what I ate yesterday. Uh, I feel like the past couple of days I've been eating real food for breakfast and obviously Bulletproof Coffee is is food, uh, but I've been eating solid food for breakfast, which is a little unusual for me. But honestly, if I wake up and I feel like I want a more legit substantial meal than Bulletproof Coffee, no big deal. I, I just eat it. So yesterday it was two cups of cabbage sauteed in butter with two eggs and two slices of bacon. And that was what I had probably two or three hours before my workout. A couple hours after my workout, I I had a busy day. I had a million things going on. So I literally ate a can of salmon out of the can just with a fork, like nothing in it, nothing on it. I just was working and doing a million things. Dinner was mashed cauliflower and what I guess I'll call like a pseudo meatloaf. I call it that because it was not, not a recipe or anything. I just took some ground beef, added salt and pepper, an egg and a tablespoon of coconut flour and baked it until it looked like it was about done. So um, speaking of food, you guys let me know that you really enjoyed the lunch episode that mimicked the breakfast episode with concrete meal ideas. So I am working on a snacks episode. Look for that to drop within the next couple of weeks. And as always, shoot me an email. Head over to primalpotential.com if you haven't already, if you've been on the fence, if you've been thinking, maybe I should email her this question, but oh no, she's busy. I am not too busy to answer your questions. So go over to primalpotential.com, drop in your name and email address so you get on the VIP list. That will immediately give you access directly to my inbox so you can share your questions, your concerns, where you're at, what you need so that I can help you. That's what I want to do. I want to help you. So we'll see you uh, in a couple days for another episode and uh, stay tuned for the snacks one. It is coming your way and I'll talk with you guys soon. Make it a great excuse-free day.